Thank you, Eric. I want to extend a second welcome to all of you here this night, uh, maybe family, visitors, newcomers. And it's a reminder also on this uh, icy weekend uh, that we're here, yeah. that these things don't just magically come together, that, that people help out and, and work hard to make these things happen. just want to say thank you to, to those who had a part in that. This evening's uh, scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, I, I would invite you to turn there as we look at the Magnificat. Verses 46 through 56. This is what it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Before we open up this time in the word of God, let's, let's pray once more. Father God, we, we thank you for rescuing us. The great rescue plan has come born in a manger to save mankind from their sins. Lord, would you be exalted this evening? We thank you, God, for gathering your people here. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think it's often uh, many people would, would say when they think about this time and uh, the story of Advent, uh, the Christmas story uh, there's probably one word that is preeminent, and that is the word worship. You know, we know that Christmas story very well. We might think of the worship from the angels when it speaks of a multitude of heavenly hosts singing glory to God in the highest. We might think of the shepherds, right, on the shepherds, Return from seeing the Savior, they were saying, they were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What about the, the wise men? You can't forget the wise men. The wise men from Matthew 2, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And upon seeing their Savior, this, this child, they fell down and, and worshipped him. Worshipped him. This is where we land this evening in this beautiful text. It is Mary's worship of our great King. 
There's a couple of observations that I want to make in this short time together of how we are to look at Mary's example of worship. Because, see, we have been given a great gift. That gift, maybe some of us remember tomorrow morning when we wake up and we see a gift of a Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This wonderful gift. And my, my question is, what will be our worship when we think about this wonderful gift? Well, Mary gives us a great example. And I just want to look at a couple of those this evening. First of all, her attitude in worship. Her attitude in worship. If you see where she begins... For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She begins with humility. She begins to seeing that this wonderful gift that has been granted to her. Right? And Mary's not very old. Some said maybe as young as 13. Somewhere between 13 and, and 16. This wonderful, great responsibility... She sees it and is absolutely humble. Verse 52, she said, This you have exalted those of humble estate. She knows that this great opportunity given to her must begin with humility. Right? And we would know that the, the opposite of humility is pride. And you can see that, that she does not want to, to be amongst those who are, are prideful about this great responsibility, this great gift she has received. If you look at verse 41, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Pride would only cause her thoughts and her worship to be exactly that, scattered. So she starts with a humble heart. And, the, and would these not be the, the very exact words that her Lord, her, her Savior, her Son, would give on that great sermon? Matthew 5, maybe some of these words echo to us again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Right? It is those who will inherit the great things. But notice that when it begins with humility, when, when her worship begins with humility, what does it open up? My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord, of which we get the title in the Greek, the Magnificat. This to make great, this exaltation to esteem highly. This is what it means to magnify She would also sing in verse 47, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And after this praise, she sees who God is, who her Savior is. Verse 49, And holy is his name. 
You see, for Mary to get to this point of magnifying the name of the Lord, rejoicing in the name of the Lord, and to see him as holy, it begins with her humility. It begins with her humility and worship. Secondly, secondly, her truth and worship, her truth and worship. If, if you read this and, and many who, who expound and, and study these would see that it is absolutely filled with Scripture. That this song of praise that Mary utters is absolutely parallel to so many Old Testament verses. And it's not likely that Mary had a, a Bible. But she was taught, no doubt, the Word of God. But it was not only that she was taught the Word of God. She, as David said, your word have I hidden in my heart. that I would not sin against thee. So as she utters this, this prayer, you see it is filled with Scripture. You know, when she talks about my soul magnifying the Lord, that would echo the words of Psalm 34, which says, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. When she says in verse 47, And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You know, this is something very significant. Not only is she be, is, is going to be granted this great gift a son, God in the flesh. But she sees this Christ child as a savior. And this is nothing new. This, as we see the, you know, the, God speaking in this grand way after the many years of, of quietness from the, the close of the Old Testament to the opening of the New Testament, the language of God as savior is, is not necessarily something that is new. You know, Savior is, is uttered quite a bit. I'll give you a couple of examples. In Isaiah 45, 25, 21 describes Jesus, God as a righteous God and a Savior. Isaiah 49, I am the Lord your Savior. Isaiah 60, you shall know that I, the Lord, am your sa- Savior. Hosea 13, 4, and besides me, there is no Savior. You see, the term as God is Savior is nothing new. In fact, in somebody else's song in the Old Testament, a familiar name, David, from 2 Samuel 22, 3, this is after he had fought the battles with the giants once again. I don't know if you recollect, but he had more encounters than just with Goliath. But he said this in his song of deliverance, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior, my savior. You know, verse 48, we again briefly touched on this. As Mary looks at her own life, for he who looked on the humble estate of his servant, this humble estate, very similarly a parallel to, to that of someone else who was barren and requested a child from the Lord. Yes, Hannah I speak of in, in 1 Samuel 
111. These were the words that she said. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. I think it's interesting as we look at uh, Hannah's prayer that she says she is a servant three times. Very similar to what, in, in the way that Mary views herself, and very similar how Hannah would offer up her son Samuel to the Lord all the days of his life, would not the Christ do the same? Yes. A beautiful parallel from Scripture. There's more from verse 48. When Mary says, from now on all generations will call me blessed. If you look at Genesis 30, Leah echoed the same word, Leah being Jacob's wife. Verse 49, such a beautiful just phrase, scripture, line, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. Psalm 126.3 says very much the same thing. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. See, worship was with Mary in her humility and her view of Scripture, her understanding of Scripture. And thirdly, and finally, a remembrance in worship, a, a remembrance in worship. What do I mean by this? What, what, is, what is Mary recalling as she utters this beautiful song of praise? She's reminded of who God is. She's not only reminded of who He is, she is reminded of what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. I just want to look at a couple of those. The God of the past. Yes, she remembers the great things that God has done from the past. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud to the thoughts of their hearts. You know, maybe she had in mind David when he defeated that great giant, right? And those Philistines went scattering. The proud went scattering. Or maybe it was when the Lord who closed in the Red Sea on those pursuing Israel, Pharaoh and the Egyptians and that mighty army, were they not also scattered? Yeah, she remembers the strength of the Lord. Verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Right? Perhaps maybe she had in view the the haughtiness, the pride of Nebuchadnezzar who thought that he could be above God. She remembers her great God who has brought down the mighty. Verse 53, is filled the hungry with good things. You might recall that special type of bread from heaven called manna that the Lord provided to his people in the wanderings of the desert. Or maybe about Elijah and the time of drought and the time of famine, how bread was brought to him by the ravens. 
or maybe that widow of Zarephath, how her jar of flour was not spent, her jug of oil never found empty. This was the God of the past. This was, this was the God that had provided. She recalls that. Or we remember the goodness of God from the past. We find so much of it in here, do we not? But Mary's also not lost on the present. Mary is not lost on the present. Verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Right? It is his mercy right now. Right now, Mary is seeing the great mercy of God bestowed on her this great gift. And she said his mercy is for those who fear him. And not only right now, but from the generation and the generation after that. But she is very much in the present. Her song and and rejoicing is very much of the here and now. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Don't you just hear so much of that speaking right now? I'm magnifying the Lord right now. I'm rejoicing right now. It's not that I'm going to postpone this to later. It's not that I'm going to think about my God later. No, it is right now. Oh, the God of the present. The God even of 2022. He is at work. He is at work. What about the God of the future? You know, in the closing of Mary's song, Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. You know, this is a staggering reminder as I think about this because, right, God has remembered Israel. And was Israel faithful? Was Israel just constantly calling upon God and following his ways as they wandered through the desert and did so many other ridiculous things? No. No. But guess what? He has helped his servant Israel because he remembers his mercy. This is a God who doesn't forget. We look to the future. He he is not going to forget those who are his. Those who are in the fold. He keeps. And then lastly, in this, this final line that Mary utters as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Do you know that the very God, the very God that we see on Christmas Day and now, is the same God that Abraham received his great promise. Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants more numerous than the stars of the universe, of the sky. Abraham, I'm going to hold to that promise. I think it's magnificent that Mary concludes with forever. This is a God of of forever. This is the God not only of the past, the God of the now, but the God of tomorrow. The God of forever. And you know what I I think for for this Christmas day? If we will remember these things, not only the God of the past, present, and and future, 
But if we, if we set our, our attitude right, being filled with the spirit of truth, scripture filled, you know, we're going to have this song of praise. And you, and you might be asked, well, how do I get there? I've tried. Christmas is kind of sentimental to me. You know, I get kind of emotional thinking of it. But I just find it a hard time keeping up with it after that. No, that's why Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Right? Mary's song is only pointing to the cross. It's pointing to the cross as something even greater. Right? Because we can't fix our attitude to to have the same echo that Mary has without the cross. That's why this great servant king was one who would ultimately come to surrender. To surrender his life for you and I. That we might have life and life abundantly. Not only life now, but the one to come. And I think, and I know, that when we put our faith in trust in Jesus Christ for life and life everlasting. We repent of our sin and turn to him in faith. Guess what? He's going to give us a heart to praise him as Mary did. You know the wonderful thing about this song is that it wasn't scripted. Probably wasn't written down before being uttered. No, this was a a song of exuberant praise that in the moment, in this wonderful blessing, the visiting from the angel, oh, it is an exuberant outpouring of praise. It's already on her heart. It's already on her heart. She doesn't have to think about this. This is an outflow of praise. You see, when we fix our eyes on the Savior, that will be the song of our praise. You know, this... Christmas Day, I think a lot of our Christmases will be like the Who's of Whoville. Where we'll wake up tomorrow and we'll gather and we'll look under the tree and then we're going to say something's amiss. Something's not right. Something's not in order. You know, my relationships are not what I want them to be. My family member is dying. My my health is horrible. I'm always sick. My relationships, my family, it just seems like there's so much turmoil. I look at this world. Oh, man, it was was pre-COVID. Another reminder of the fall. Another reminder of hardship. You pick 50 million different things, and we will see something amiss tomorrow morning. But you know what? You know what? This is the wonderful news. This is the wonderful news. With Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the hope of Christ in us, guess what? When we wake up tomorrow or the next day, and it will happen, when we see things that are missed, oh man, our song will be much greater than those of Whoville. It will be like Mary's that calls out and says, Lord, I know my life is sober right now, but God, you are in it. God, you are here today and tomorrow and the next, Lord, and you are in it. Oh, I put my trust in you and I rejoice. I rejoice because I know that even though everything has fallen, Lord, you are good. 
You are good and the best is yet to come in Christ. So I rejoice, I rejoice, and I magnify thy name. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Will that be our hope this Christmas? Praise be to God. Let us go to prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Lord, that you are our hope from now and here to come, from ages past, for tomorrow and the next, Lord. We thank you for this precious gift of Jesus Christ. The Savior has been born to us. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice, Lord, that we know that we have a hope of all hopes and nothing the world can take away nor change. We thank you, Father God, for you are kind to send us this great gift. In Jesus' name. Amen.